things start to make sense. You forget why you were so afraid in the first place. And you look back and I kind of laugh. I'm like, wow, to think I was so nervous or so anxious when there's really no reason to be. So I think just going through with it and once that decision's made, just keep going. <laughs> this is Akif. This is Steven. Join us as we seek the dreamers and doers. Discover the extraordinary. And share the inspiring stories of people who are pursuing their passions. And chasing their dreams. Welcome to the Sakif and Steven Show. Welcome back to the Sakif and Steven Show. This is episode 7. And, you know, we realized a few episodes ago, you guys really enjoyed the uh, session we had with Clarence, who, who's been traveling around the world. Uh, you know, he traveled to Singapore from Manchester for taking him to like 85 countries. So we realized you like people who have been traveling, and which is why we have, today we have with us Michelle Sinclair. She's a world traveler who's been on the road for two freaking years, uh, having initially bought a one-way ticket to Bangkok from LA. So Michelle, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. <laughs> thank you for having me. So Michelle is a world traveler. After graduation, she was working in LA as an analyst for a couple of years until one day she just decided to drop everything and travel to Southeast Asia. In fact, she was due for a promotion before she quit her job. I met Michelle while I was backpacking Cambodia when she just started traveling for a few months. Since then, Michelle has been on the road around Asia and South America for more than two years now. So Michelle, could you take us back to the start and share with us about your decision to quit your job and start your world travel journey? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think first, I just, I think it might be relevant to share a little background about myself as well. I, I did grow up with a, no a nomadic background. By the time I was 18, I'd already moved 10 times. Um, I lived in like Brazil, US, Switzerland, Venezuela. I was born in Puerto Rico. So I kind of grew up with this constant change um, and just surrounded by a really diverse group of people. So after that, after all of this, I found myself in a job um, working in international policy. But the thing is, even though like my life, it was very comfortable, you know, I, I did have kind of like my dream job and my friend, my friend group and all of this. Um, I, I still felt kind of like stuck or, or very stagnant, to be honest. And, you know, I, I came from this background of constant change and exploration and, and it was almost like suffocating for me to be at this desk job. Um, so based on that, I, you know, I really wanted to go out and I, I really wanted to see the world. So at 24, I found myself in great circumstances, you know, like I, my parents are healthy, like my month, my rent was month to month and I have no kids, like none of that. So there was really nothing holding me back. So I, I did make this decision. I, I figured if not now, then when, and I, I had this desire to just pack up and go. So right. yeah, it, I think it was just like a very powerful driver was like, if, if not now, when the circumstances are easy, like when would I go? So I think the hardest part was just making the decision. And once I did make the decision, things kind of started falling into place. And, you know, I felt like I had a, a million pounds take it off me. And mm. yeah, I, you know, I, I just also figured like, I, I wasn't going to remember those days sitting inside my office for 10 to 12 hours. And these are the memories I would remember and not regret in the future. So I made this decision and I, I followed through with it. This decision, was it just uh, by yourself or did you talk to your parents, uh, friends and 
And what were their thoughts about it? So to be honest, I, it was a very internal decision. Again, I, I, I do think a part of my background kind of fed into that. And mm-hmm. I, I spoke about it with my family and they were, <laughs> some were supportive, some weren't, but I, I actively made the decision to only share this idea with like a very tight group of people that I knew would be supportive because I knew if I started talking about and sharing it overall, I wouldn't, I would be most likely people would be telling me, are you crazy? Or like, what are you doing with your life? So I kept it quiet only once I had my ticket and only once I was actually leaving, did I share it with people. And then at that point, you know, the, the feedback was quite positive, but it was very, very internal actually. Okay. Uh, so you've made the decision and then what was the process like, you know, preparing for the trip, deciding where you want to go exactly? How are you going to get rid of stuff at home? What was it like preparing for it? Well, so this idea came almost like 10 months to a year before I actually left. So the first thing I started okay. doing was saving up money. I, you mm. know, there was like basic things. I just decided I wouldn't buy, I would only buy things I actually needed, not things I wanted. I started cooking my meals. I started, I like, I, I essentially stopped going out just because it, it is quite expensive or, you know, have a pre-drink beforehand. So I wasn't doing that spending out. So there was kind of like basic cuts. I canceled my gym membership and slowly I started saving up that way. And then as far as getting rid of my stuff, I also started selling a lot of my clothes online. I started giving things away. I did a lot of donations. So the really heavy duty, you know, like cut down and get rid of stuff was maybe within the last month or two. But it, it was kind of a bit of a process. Like the whole saving up was a little bit longer. Did you plan for a two-year trip? No. <laughs> or, or no. <laughs> no, no. So I think just because we come from this mentality of, you know, you finish school, you work. And I mean, you're supposed to work. That's what I've known and have always known. So I think my idea, I, it seems crazy, but I was like, well, look, I'll go travel. And I think at the most... You know, first I thought if if I don't like it, I could always go back to work. So even if it's like two weeks and I panic, I can leave. But eventually I thought, okay, maybe two months, three months, and then I was going to go back to work. But once I started traveling and, you know, it was fun and it was easy and I, I loved the environment. And again, it was this constant learning and constant growth. It suddenly turned to six months and then it turned into a year. And then next thing I know, it's it's been two years now. Amazing. So why did you choose uh, Southeast Asia as your first stop? Well, I'd never been to Asia. I'd never been to Asia. I never traveled alone and I had never backpacked before. So I think it was, I, I know Southeast Asia is often seen as like a backpacker starter kit. You know, it's that, I mean, that loop has existed since the seventies, you know? So I think there, there's the hostels, like people are used to seeing these travelers as a solo woman, I I heard it was quite safe, which was important for me as well. And it was also like totally, I never been, I didn't know anything about Asia. So I think it was a really good way to challenge myself in a fairly still comfortable environment, somewhat. (laughs) You came to Bangkok and where else did you go again? Cambodia? So in Asia, I was in 13 countries. So first I did, I did Thailand, Laos, Vietnam, Cambodia. Then I went to Myanmar, Malaysia, Singapore, Sri Lanka, Indonesia, Philippines, Taiwan, China, I think. <laughs> I don't know if I'm missing anyone. I, I think that's about right. <laughs> I guess what were some of your uh, 
best moments? Which places did you enjoy the most? Well, there was, I mean, some, of course, there was a lot of like personal growth moments or milestones, you know, for me, whether it was getting like diving certified and everything thought about diving in my life or learning to ride a motorbike and then doing, I did a 10 day trip around Indonesia on a motorbike. Um, I spent two weeks at a Buddhist monastery or just these like really long, I did like an eight day hike. So there was a lot of personal growth and milestones, but as far as like countries or places, I think Myanmar was one of my favorite. I think just being so new to tourists. Um, I did a hike where I was amongst the first foreigners that were allowed in that area. So there were people that had never seen outsiders before. Um, Within that, we were invited to a tribal wedding and people would invite us to like enjoy tea. So I think just the level of hospitality and the kindness of the people I received in Myanmar. And it's, it's still very traditional as well. So I think that was like a very special country to me. Um, yeah. And then... I mean, I could go on like there's, I think, Indonesia, like super diverse, you know, every island is completely different and there's just so much to offer, whether it's like diving or, or again, I was motorbiking. So we were going to like really remote beaches. I, I did surfing lessons there. Yeah, I, I think I would need to. How was your, uh, how was the trip to Sri Lanka? So Sri Lanka was amazing. Actually, my I did have my mother meet me along the way, and it was I had my birthday in Sri Lanka, so she did come with me. Yeah, oh. so I did Sri Lanka with my mom for three weeks, so that was that was nice. And I think I am very lucky that since I did have my mom, she met me twice on the trip. So no, three times. Sorry, she came to South America as well. So I was very fortunate to have family come and visit me. But Sri Lanka was amazing. It's for such a small country, it has so much to offer. Like three weeks is not yeah. enough time and there was like really I did like a hike in the middle of the night up to Adam's Peak which is like a sacred mountain for different religions and and it's like a big pilgrimage and it the north of Sri Lanka is quite untouched as well I I really enjoyed it well did you face any struggles during this two years you know any times where you were like oh man I just want to go home well I think Again, I think given my background, I, I have people ask me this, but as far as going home, I think I do well in these circumstances. So I, I personally didn't feel any homesickness per se, but I mean, one challenge would be financial, of course. I was traveling, you know, trying to not spend money. So finan- finances are always a constraint, but I think... I, I think maybe a challenge would be as a solo traveler, it can be a little bit intimidating, especially at first. You know, you I, I just remember when I got into Myanmar, I just wanted to like hide in my room. I got to the hostel and it was packed and you just assume everyone knows each other, you know. So I, I just wanted to stay in my room and I was like, no, I, I have to go. I have to put myself in an uncomfortable situation and only to find that everyone was a solo traveler. Um, they, that group did end up being one of my closest friends until now. So I think it's kind of like pushing out of your comfort zone might be the biggest challenge. And also it depends on your personality. You know, if it's sometimes it is uncomfortable or awkward, <laughs> but it's just getting through it and then really amazing experiences will come. Clearly, you didn't plan for two years. And uh, well, how do you budget for it? I didn't actually budget. Um, I would just try to spend the least amount possible without limiting myself, if that makes sense. I had a general idea of 
$20 a day. I would aim for that. But say, for example, diving, it, it was, I did my advanced course as well. So before that, I spent two weeks at the Buddhist monastery because A, I was interested, B, it was also free. <laughs> and right before that, I was also volunteering. So I would kind of try to compensate my costs. If I knew I had like very big spending coming up, I would make up for it in different ways. But I did not budget. And then I think the more you travel, and if you're traveling in this mindset, the easier it becomes. You know, you learn where to eat or like what to eat. Or you can, in South America, you can cook. Or you start traveling on like more local buses, you know, or overnight travel so you don't spend on a hotel. So over time, I think you just get a little bit better at it. For such a long-term traveling, uh, does uh, traveling ever get repetitive? Well, that's... I, I think... Yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question. I, I feel so I think, for example, in Asia, I spent nine months there. And because it was so new, and it was so different. But I think because I lacked the basic cultural understanding, which is also why I went to the Buddhist monastery. You know, I think, unfortunately, due to my lack of the understanding or ignorance, like essentially, once you start walking to temples, I couldn't tell the difference, or I couldn't really maybe appreciate like the the smaller details or say when I went to South America, my family's from Mexico. So I have that Catholic, you know, I can walk in a church and I, I can, I can understand the differences. So I think sometimes because of that in Asia, at, at one point it did start to blur for me. And I think that's when I felt I should leave because I was losing that sense of appreciation. And I, I mm -hmm. wish I had that additional knowledge, but it, it, I hate to say it, but yes, at some point it, it did become a little bit blurry. Okay. I want to go back to the perspective of quitting your job and traveling, you know, as you know, right now, there are many online articles telling people about just quitting a job and go and do whatever you want, but this may not be for everyone. And uh, it is not that easy to just drop it and go. So what advice would you give people who are considering quitting job and traveling? I mean, how should they evaluate their decision, whether this is for them emotional-wise and financial-wise? Yeah, that is a very good question. Well, I think, because again, I've had people ask me and they're like, look, you've been going for two years, but that's why I do stress my background because technically I've moved so much that I don't have a home per se to go back to. So again, like for me, constant movement was very natural and I... I did very, very well in it, but I did meet a lot of travelers that all they wanted to do, they just wanted to go home and, or, you know, this is all unfamiliar and it's stressful. So it, it really isn't for everyone. And, and it, it does, I do sometimes think that now there, there is this like easy conversation of just do it, just go, go travel. And, and it's not that simple. So, and then again, financially, like I, you know, I, to some extent I do come from a background of privilege, I, I was lucky enough not to have any debt going in. And, and again, like I said, my parents, my family's healthy. I, I don't have kids. I, I didn't, I didn't have any, or I didn't even have a dog. You know, I, I had nothing at that point in my life that I was responsible to, but I, I think maybe it would be that, like maybe also evaluating kind of, I, I think it's good to push your boundaries and push your comfort level, but would you feel comfortable? I slept in the middle of the Amazon with rats running around. Like, you know, often you, you walk in and there's roaches and the conditions. It's not, a, at least my version wasn't glamorous because I was living off my spending. So I think kind of evaluating like what you are okay with and what you're not and how far you can be pushed. And 
whether, and then financially, like, are, are you willing to make those financial sacrifices and living, you know, an uncomfortable, not uncomfortable life, but just not maybe used to luxury you're used to in your own day-to-day life. So what are your plans after this? Um, you're back home, but I'm sure you want to move again. Yeah. So I'm actually leaving. So funny enough from that original question, my, my plan was to move to Australia. <laughs> so I thought originally I'd travel for a little bit and then I'd go work. Like I said, I, I always just thought you had to go work. So originally I said, well, I have an easy visa. I'm grateful. It's for the working holiday visa, I'm able to get that. So that's been two years and that idea is still there. So I actually have my ticket now. And in three weeks, I will be in Australia. And now this time it'll be a little bit different because I'll be working, but I do hope to kind of continue. I mean, it's a huge country, right? So I, I do hope to work and hopefully continue to travel and move around. But I will be heading to Melbourne soon. Nice, nice. So, um, okay, after traveling so many places, um, which country would you recommend people? Which place would you recommend for oh, food? Oh, for food. Okay, for food, I really, well, everyone loves Thai food, obviously. I actually thought Malaysian food was great. You know, I, I think it has a little bit more spice, a little bit more kick, or, or maybe they're just not used to like cutting it down for tourists. Um, I thought the food in Taiwan was amazing. The street food is just out of control. It's fantastic. <laughs> All the food in Taiwan is, is so, so good. And then Peru, the food in Peru is really spe- If you like seafood or ceviche or they just use a ton of different there's a lot of depth a lot of different spices i did a cooking class there so it was nice i actually got to learn a little bit more and then of course i'm biased but mexico (laughs) 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 yeah mexico is amazing the tacos every day day. in in guacamole there's tacos so good (laughs) and uh, okay what about uh for adventure which uh, country would you recommend? Well, some of the most amazing hikes I did in these two years were also in Peru. And I think most people think of Southern Peru, you know, it's like the Machu Picchu, Cusco, but I was actually Northern Peru and there's this town called um, Juarez. And from there you can do independent hikes or that's where I did the eight day hike. And for eight days, you know, no, obviously like no connection with the world, no showers or anything, but it was the most insane scenery I've ever seen in my life. Just beautiful. So beautiful. And then also Northern Peru, there's a lot of surfing. There's like paraponting. There's, there's, I mean, hiking everywhere and there's a desert. You can go sandboarding or like desert boogies, you know? So I think Peru is actually, but all of Peru, not just Southern Peru, you know, all of Peru has a lot to offer. We're coming to the end of our podcast, but before we end, we usually ask our uh, guest, what is one takeaway that you can give to the listeners? Well, I said it at the beginning, but I'll repeat again. I do think the hardest part is just making the decision. I think once the decision's made and once it's done, everything will fall into place. And I, I firmly believe that. I think, you know, things start to make sense. You forget why you were so afraid in the first place. And you look back and I kind of laugh. I'm like, wow, to think I was so nervous or so anxious when there's really no reason to be. So I think just going through with it and once that decision's made, 
just keep going. <laughs> so if uh, if they want to follow you for your travels, uh, you know, what you're up to, is there any way they yeah, can do that? Yeah, I have, um, I try keeping active on my Instagram. It's Shell's Travels. And I'm, I try to post little tidbits there. So yeah, if, if you can check it out, it'll show where I am in the world at the time. Thank you, Michelle, for coming on to the show. It's been a pleasure having you. Yeah, thank you both. I, I really, really appreciate it.